0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Health Formation, the podcast where we give you health and wellness news to use. My name is Katie Trotta, and I am your host. Thank you for joining us today. In today's episode, we have a topic that I love talking about, which is plant-based nutrition and the benefits of incorporating more plants into your diet. So even if you are a little hesitant about this topic or you are definitely sure that you don't want to go vegan – I think that you can still learn a lot from today's episode. And one thing that you'll definitely take away from the episode is that even if you're not becoming fully plant-based or ready to make that transition, any progress you can make towards the spectrum of eating a more plant-based diet is going to be beneficial for your health. I actually decided to split this episode into two parts. So the first part that you are listening to now gives you an overview of plant-based diets and different foods that you might eat if you are plant-based. We also talk about plant-based versus vegan and how vegan is not always synonymous with health. And then in part two, which I will release next week, we discuss more of the benefits of a plant-based diet for cardiovascular health and different outcomes that are seen if patients are eating more plants, and how this may help their heart health. I hope that you tune back in next week to hear the end of the discussion that Stephanie and I had about the cardiovascular benefits of a plant-based diet, and I hope that you enjoyed today's episode of Health Formation. So today we have a topic that I love talking about. So I love talking about all things food, but lately, probably more than lately. For the past several years, I've been on this plant-based diet trend. Um, and I will say that I'm not perfect. I'm about 80%, maybe more. Um, but 80% is my goal. And so today, we are going to be talking about a plant-based diet. And we are going to be talking about how to utilize a plant-based diet and how to use that to help you to live your healthiest life. Um, and so... I actually have with me a guest today who was my first friend when I moved to North Carolina, Stephanie Deal. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Um, so Stephanie and I met when we were on residency interview in did. 2013. Mm-hmm. Yep. 2013, we interviewed together for the same job. Everyone always asks us who got the job and the answer <laughs> is Stephanie. <laughs> um, but I ended up getting a different position, um, also at the same university, which is Campbell, where I work now. Um, And so we walked into orientation on the first day and I was like, I know you. (laughs) Um, And so we were instantly friends because she moved to North Carolina from Michigan and I moved from Boston. So we didn't really have a very big friend base. Yeah, we had to stick together because we were new friends in a new town,
1: and there weren't a lot of other familiar faces around, so it was nice to see you walk in that first day of orientation. (laughs) Yes.
0: Um, So now, six years later, she's stuck with me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So thanks for being here. Absolutely. I'm super excited to talk about this topic as well. Um, So tell us a little bit about you and your journey and what you do as a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. So like you said, I
1: um, am from Michigan originally, went to pharmacy school up there. And then came down to North Carolina in 2013 to do a residency down here in ambulatory care. I've always had a passion for primary care, um, specifically prevention of chronic diseases. So after I finished my residency, I started working with the Medicaid population um, in eastern North Carolina, where there are a lot of different health challenges. Health challenges. Um, there are you know, a lot of issues surrounding diabetes and heart disease, things like that. So I started to look more into prevention of these diseases, and what we can do to um, prevent them instead of just treating them with medications after the fact, after the diagnosis. Um, Recently, I have kind of switched gears a little bit and have started working with Medicare patients, and I work with them during their annual wellness visits, so I get to focus most of the time during that visit on prevention of chronic diseases. So certainly, if someone already has a diagnosis, I work with them with their medications to make sure that they're on the correct medications, the right doses. They're not having side effects from their medications. But for those patients who have yet to have a diagnosis for certain things like, you know, diabetes and heart disease, I can really focus on the prevention of those. And so I think doing that through food is newer to to my practice, but I've been using it more and more often, specifically plant-based diets.
0: And like me, you're a foodie. Uh, yes, absolutely. We love food. Yeah. And using it for fun and health. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. people
1: there's a misconception that you know plant-based foods don't taste good or you False. know that they're not gonna be. It's not a fun thing to go out to a restaurant that's plant-based and eat that. And I think those have been um, my most interesting meals that I've had as of late.
0: I agree. Um, so how did you embark on your plant-based journey?
1: So a few years ago, uh, my husband and I watched a documentary. Uh, called uh, What the Health, followed up by Forks Over Knives. Same order as me. (laughs) (laughs) And they were pretty eye-opening. I didn't know a lot of the food science that was behind uh, the standard American diet, which usually consists of uh, processed meats and dairy and not a lot of fruits and vegetables. So watching those documentaries really opened up my eyes, and we decided that we were going to try a plant-based diet for a month. Um, we weren't going to, you know, do it any longer than that. We just wanted to see what it was like. And after that month, we felt so good about the choices that we were making. We had more energy. Um, I I like to cook all of a sudden. I wasn't a big uh, <laughs> chef in the past. And all of a sudden I was interested in trying new recipes and, and making dinner and things like that, that we just sort of stuck with it. Um, I Again, I'm not perfect. Like you said, I'm probably 80% there. I typically don't eat any Um, animal meat products anymore. I try to avoid eggs as much as possible. Um, Dairy is the one thing that slips in every once in a while. So, uh, And also the the more processed uh, vegan treats. We'll talk about that a little bit too, but those tend to slip in. But I try to be about 80% plant-based at this point in my life.
0: Um, And I think one thing too that I wanted to talk about with you was kind of on social media, Sometimes vegan warriors can be a little bit mean, Mm -hmm. and that's not our goal. Our goal is to help you to live your healthiest life, and if you eat fish or even if you eat a steak every once in a while, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to yell at you. Right. I want you to eat as many plants as possible, but sometimes I think the vegan label comes with a lot of meanness associated Mm -hmm. with it, and people not being the nicest on social media, and that's not our goal. Our goal is to just educate you and help you to make the best choices that you can. Absolutely. There's there's so much judgment out there on social yes. media. And I've even had
1: interactions with friends when we're you know out to dinner or something, and they order an animal product, and they kind of look at me like, oh, my gosh, is she going to give me a lecture? No. <laughs> And absolutely not. That is not my, my point. Um, I do this more from a health benefit. So if you know the science that's out there and you're fully educated on it and you, you know, make those choices, that is absolutely 100% your choice. If you're interested in it, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. If you, I'm, but I'm not going to shove it down your throat. Right. Absolutely not.
0: I agree. I will tell you to eat a lot of vegetables, but I don't care what else you eat with it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... As you mentioned, um, I think plant-based and vegan is becoming more trendy. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see that label more on different foods at the All grocery over store, the place. Um, and this is kind of my new one of my new soapboxes since becoming more plant-based. That. Vegan and plant-based is not always synonymous with healthy. Absolutely. It's just a label that uh, manufacturers have
1: learned that if they put that on their food, right. then someone walking down the chip aisle may grab that bag of chips that says vegan on it because they think it's healthier when in reality it's not. So, for example, um, if you are looking at Doritos, the, what we call like the red bag, like the red nacho bag yep. Doritos, those are not vegan because they contain cheese product in there. The purple bag Doritos or the, the chili, sweet chili Doritos... Sure are what we call accidentally vegan, where they would never intended for that product to be a vegan product, but it doesn't have any animal product in it, so technically it is vegan. But if you sit there and you eat a bag of purple bag Doritos, are you any healthier than if you eat the red bag Doritos? Probably not. No. <laughs> Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> and are you healthier than if you ate a steak or an egg? Right. No. no. Um, so there's a difference between health foods and things just not containing animal products, and that is hugely important if you are trying to utilize a plant-based diet to live a healthier life, and even more important, if you're trying to utilize it to reverse or prevent chronic disease, Um, if you are, like, we have tons of data to support the use of a whole food plant-based diet for patients with type 2 diabetes, um, or even cardiovascular disease, which we'll talk about today. And if you're trying to reverse one of those, then you really definitely need to be more strict and think about everything that you're eating. Um, So one of the things that is definitely in the news and all of the rage now are these meat substitute burgers. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have the Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat. Those are two huge ones that are actually so popular you hardly can find them anymore in the grocery store. Um, So talk a little bit about the health Health benefits or not of those Mm -hmm. different burgers?
1: Yeah, so the Beyond Meat and the Impossible—they're—they're a little bit different between the two of them. Um, We're going to focus a little bit on the Impossible burger. This is the one that you're going to see more in restaurants. Right now, it's not available in grocery stores. The Beyond Meat is, Um, and I've heard that Impossible is trying to get into grocery stores by 2020. But they are so popular that they have a shortage on them, so that's why we're not seeing them as often. So if you're going to compare the Impossible Burger, which does not have any animal product in it, to a traditional beef patty, typically they both have about the same amount of calories. And this is just talking about the burger patty itself. This isn't including the bun or any of the toppings that might be on there. They have um, around 240 calories each, so they're pretty similar there. Their fat content is also about the same with the Impossible Burger actually coming in a little bit higher fat content-wise.
0: So I think that that's one thing that's important to point out because it's not the plant that's making it that has the fat, but these are processed with a lot of oil. Correct. And then that adds in a lot of grams of fat. So when you're thinking about a, a plant-based diet, sometimes you think it might be a little lower fat, but these kind of processed things are adding that fat back in. Right.
1: So the fat here, like you said, is coming from oil, not from the animal fat like you would right. get in the beef burger. So the, the fat um, is coming from a different place. One of the more controversial uh, components of the Impossible Burger is the soy hemoglobin that's in there, which is a, um, a highly processed substance that is actually used to make the Impossible Burger look like it's bleeding, right. like a regular beef burger. And so a lot of uh, traditional vegans aren't pleased with that. Um, they don't really want to eat something that looks like it's bleeding. And that's why they got away from a lot of animal products in the first place. This product is considered generally safe by the FDA, um, but we don't have a ton of research on it. And so uh, that is one of the more controversial components in there.
0: And another thing about soy, too. Sorry, I keep interrupting Absolutely. you. Um, soy is another controversial food in the world of nutrition. Um, and one thing that I've learned about soy is that you want to eat soy in its most natural and whole food form, so this is very processed soy that's yes, in this Impossible burger. And so that changes the healthfulness of the soy as well.
1: Mm-hmm. So when, when food items are processed, we talk about um, processed foods or ultra processed foods, they are stripping away some of the natural nutrients in them. And they are also adding things that would typically not be in an, a non-processed diet. So I like to think about bananas. So a typical banana off the tree is an unprocessed food if you were to buy chunks of banana, frozen banana, to put in your smoothie at the grocery store. That is a minimally processed product where all they've done is taken it out of its natural casing, cut it up, and uh, put it into bags, and and they've frozen it. So they haven't really added or taken anything away from that. Banana chips um, would be considered a processed food. So they are going to expose those to sulfur dioxide to make sure that they don't Uh, get brown. And so they're adding something and then some of that fiber is being taken away. And then taking it one step further, if you were to pick up a loaf of banana bread at the grocery store, that's going to be an ultra processed food where they've added sugars and processed flour and things like that. So it's really gotten very far away from its natural
0: state. Great. And I think 60% of calories from the, in the standard American diet today come from ultra-processed foods. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's growing. Um, more and more of our products in the grocery store are ultra-processed, and, and that's if you, pretty
0: scary. If you've heard, shop the perimeter of your grocery store, that's where you'll find your less processed foods, and that's kind of where that comes from.
1: Absolutely. Um, So back to the Impossible Burger compared to a beef burger, one of the more striking differences between the two is the amount of sodium. So the Impossible Burger has about 16% of your daily value of sodium, whereas a beef burger is only about 1%. So if you're someone who is watching your sodium intake, that is definitely something to consider if you're going to eat the Impossible Burger. Uh, A couple of the things that the Impossible Burger has that are good compared to the beef burger are things like higher amounts of vitamin B12. So uh, for people who eat a typically plant-based or vegan diet, sometimes they can be low in B12 and actually the general population as a whole um, can be can be pretty deficient in B12 uh, if they're not eating a balanced diet. B12, just kind of on a side tangent, is um, synthesized by certain bacteria. And we used to find it a lot in our soil, and it would be, you could get it from plants because they were exposed to that soil, but with all the chemicals that we use now, the B12 levels in the soil have really gone down. So a lot of the natural B12 is synthesized in the guts of ruminant animals. So cattle, when they chew their food, they produce that cud, and in their gut, they're producing B12, and then that B12 is stored in their animal tissues so when you eat the cattle, you're getting that B12 that was stored in their tissues. So if you're not eating cattle or drinking milk from a cow, you're not getting that B12. So you have to look for it in other sources. So there are a lot of vegan and plant-based fortified foods that have B12 in there where you can get your your daily amount needed. Um, and you can also get it from supplementation.
0: Yeah. So if you are following a whole food plant-based diet, in general, you should supplement B12. Um, with either 250 micrograms per day or a 2,500 microgram tablet once per week, um, just to ensure that you're getting enough B12. And that is a water-soluble v- vitamin, which means you can't really overdose on it. If you have too much, you'll just pee it out. So um, I take B12 just to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm getting enough. Yeah, I take B12 also um,
1: about a year after I started Being plant-based, I did do uh, B12 labs, and I was deficient in B12, so I started taking a supplement. I was probably likely deficient in B12 before I started eating that way anyway. Probably. Um, I just don't have the labs to show that. So uh, other components of the Impossible Burger that are higher, so there's more thiamine, more riboflavin, um, and more zinc, which are all good for us. And then there's also more iron, um, about 25% in the Impossible Burger versus 16% in the beef burger. Um, Iron is another one of those things that when people think about a plant-based diet, they think, oh, I'm going to be deficient in iron. And um, iron deficiency is actually another pretty common deficiency, no matter what your diet is. If you're concerned about that, there are a lot of good iron sources uh, in lentils, beans, nuts, seeds, leafy green vegetables. And a trick that I just recently learned was um, that if you include citrus with your source of iron, it helps with the absorption. So if you have a salad full of green leafy vegetables, and you uh, add a little bit of lemon juice or orange juice or something, um, squeeze
0: a little fresh orange over top of your salad, that's actually going to
1: help increase your iron absorption.
0: Yes. Yes, yeah, so vitamin C aids in the absorption of iron, which it's hard to absorb iron regardless of how, if you what kind of diet you're eating or even if you're supplementing. So that's definitely a good tip uh, if you're trying to get more iron. So overall, what do you think about the... These burgers, do we should we eat them? Not eat them? What do you think? What's your recommendation? So I
1: think that it's really cool that they're becoming more. Um, you can you can find them more easily. You, Burger King is, has them. Um, you know, a lot of different chains are starting to have these, I think and I Dunkin' Donuts. I, I saw? Dunkin' Donuts. Yep. Yeah. So it feels like every week I hear of a new chain restaurant that's having them, and then a lot of your you know uh, non-chain restaurants also are carrying them as an option. And I think it's great because it gives us an option that's out there that's not an animal product. Am I going to eat this on a weekly basis? No. No. Would I have eaten a beef burger on a weekly basis? No. No. So in the time, maybe a couple times a year when I feel like going out and having a burger and fries, I would eat the Impossible Burger. I'm not too worried about the soy hemoglobin in there. I understand that it has more sodium, so maybe I'll just drink more water that day and watch my sodium sources in other ways. But I'm not adding this into my diet as a staple.
0: I mean, I don't think anyone considers a burger to be a health food. So you're just subbing out your beef burger for this. It's mm-hmm. still not a health food. Right. But it's a good transition. Um, it's good for a barbecue when you Absolutely. want to still eat with everyone else. Um, and one thing that I do want to say, too, for uh, about the Beyond Meat, so Impossible Burger is they do use GMOs, and the Beyond Meat Burger does not use GMOs. So if that's something that you're concerned about just with the GMO levels and the increased exposure to pesticides, um, the the soy that's produced for Beyond Meat is not genetically modified. Um, and it's actually pretty interesting. The um, owner or the CEO of Beyond Meat Burger ha- actually works with the farmers that develop that soy or grow that soy directly. Um, And he really is big on sustainability. So that's, I like that. That, That's near to my heart. (laughs) It's always good to know where your food's coming from. I agree. All right. So moving on and talking a little bit about some of the different diets that people may follow, knowingly or unknowingly, um, and they may have heard of or not. So let's start out with our just regular, typical, standard American diet. Okay, so this is kind of the
1: way most Americans eat today. Um, there's usually a high intake of red meat, processed meat, so things like uh, sandwich meat and things like that, cold cuts. A lot of prepackaged food. Um, butter is pretty common. And then the way that you cook the food. So fried food is is pretty common in this diet. There's a lot of high-fat dairy products, eggs, refri- refined grains, um, potatoes, corn, and high fructose corn syrup. A lot of different sugars being added to the diet as well in various forms. So you might not see sugar on the label. It might be honey. It might be fructose. It has a lot of kind of hidden names, but um, it's in there. It's in those foods.
0: And one thing that I think is interesting about the standard American diet is that only one-third of Americans are reaching their recommended five to six servings of fruits and vegetables per day, and that's only if you count French fries as a vegetable. (laughs) So sad. That is sad.
1: Yeah, the standard American diet does not have a lot of intake of fruits and vegetables, beans, things like that. Right. That we would consider to be more healthy.
0: And I just, I mean, I... I feel for the American that is trying to eat healthier and doesn't know how, Mm -hmm. because it's so challenging with all of the different foods that are out there and all of the misinformation. And I think really that is really challenging for people that are trying to live a healthier life. And so that's why when people ask me, like, what is your tip for your, if you're trying to just eat healthier, my two things are to eliminate processed foods as much as you can and then just try to add in more plants. and any healthy diet in the world is going to focus on those staples. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. All right. Um, so next we have pescatarian. So a pescatarian diet
1: is going to be one where the only source of animal meat is fish. So it's it's similar to a vegetarian diet, but it does add the fish component in there.
0: Yep. And I I do eat some. Do you do you eat fish anymore? I
1: haven't eaten fish in a long time. Okay, I'm thinking about eating fish for my 30th birthday. We'll see.
0: <laughs>
1: maybe <swear laughs> that's to that's some your, sushi. <laughs> that's your gift to yourself. Yeah.
0: Um, I eat fish occasionally. I know that there are the microplastics in fish and mercury and things that people will say that fish isn't the healthiest. And I don't consider fish to be a staple in my diet by any means, but I do eat it maybe one to two times a mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. I, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and it's all relative. So if you're comparing fish to beef,
1: the fish is going to be healthier. Right. If you're comparing a plant-based diet to a pescatarian diet that they do consume fish, the plant-based diet is generally, in studies, has shown to be healthier. Right. So that's, you know, kind of the relativeness of that.
0: Exactly. All right, so moving on from pescatarian to vegetarian. So a vegetarian means that you're abstaining from the
1: consumption of meat, so you're not eating chicken or beef or seafood, but you may still be eating other animal products such as eggs or dairy,
0: right? So, not eating animal animals but still eating animal products. Correct. Um, and then that only differs from vegan in what way? So, in you can think of vegan as being a strict
1: vegetarian where they then go on and don't eat the eggs or the dairy. Being a vegan or calling yourself vegan Has kind of stemmed from this well wanting to have a wellness for animals or the the animal industry. You're not um, support. You don't want to support that, right? And so it's not necessarily from a place of health, although it can be. There's a lot of crossover between these groups, but typically the motivation is based on the negative impact of animal agriculture, and you're also you're worried about the sustainability of the planet, right? So a lot of these. People who follow a vegan lifestyle um, tend to cut out animal products in other areas of their life too. So they won't buy a leather couch. They're not going to buy a wool jacket. Um, so they're cutting out any any form of animals
0: in in all their life. And things that you have to think about too when you're really truly vegan um, is like the cosmetics that you're using mm-hmm. and the yep. soaps and all of those things maybe tested on animals yep. or contain animal products. And then um, I think a lot of vegans too are. Like anti the circus and Sea yep, World and absolutely. all of those things, and all of that is part of the being vegan. So it's really my interpretation of it is for the welfare of animals, like Stephanie said. Mm-hmm. And and someone may be using that
1: term vegan or plant based and not necessarily know the difference between those. And I don't necessarily think that the the label is all that important. Um, We just kind of want to differentiate for the listeners here today. Right. I think if you're coming at it from more of a health standpoint, then it's more considered a whole food plant-based diet. Right. Um, So one of the things I want to talk about too is that a vegan diet does include those processed vegan foods. So you can find a processed banana bread on the shelf that's marked vegan um, because they've done something other than put eggs in it. and that is not really a whole food. And so the diet itself, a vegan diet itself is not necessarily healthy. The whole food plant-based diet focuses on whole foods and their whole form, unprocessed foods, and is going to consist mostly of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes, um, and very few, if none at all, animal products.
0: So a whole food plant-based diet, you really want to focus on eating the food in the closest form that it was to when it grew out of the ground. And so going back to what we talked about with soy earlier, like a soybean is going to be a healthier option than an oil, a soybean oil, Mm -hmm. Um, because oil is very processed, but a soybean is not. And actually, for those of you that are wondering, tofu is considered to be minimally processed. So tofu is a good soy option if you're thinking about doing soy. But some people just are anti-soy. We can yeah, talk about soy that. Yeah, soy and tempeh channel. and things like that. Um, you do eat those when you're eating a whole
1: food plant based diet. They're not. They shouldn't be considered your main forms of protein, though. Right. You should get that from vegetables and uh, whole grains and things like that.
0: So probably the number one question that people always ask when asking about a vegan diet or a whole food plant based diet is, where do you get your protein? Mm-hmm. What do you say to that?
1: Um, If I want to be snarky, I'll (laughs) (laughs) say something about the fact that hardly anyone in uh, a developed country is protein deficient. Right. Um, Typically, protein deficiency occurs in developing countries, and it's a very sad situation when groups of people only have one or two things at their um, disposal to consume. And so, typically does not happen um, in America. No. And so, I have never been a person... I've never been concerned with my protein intake for one day since I've started this. Um, There is protein in lots of vegetables, um, in nuts, in beans, and in whole grains. And so I eat a lot of quinoa. There's lots of protein in there. I love beans. Yes. And I eat beans every day.
0: Me too. Yeah. All the time. So if you're eating a balanced diet, so remember not just eating the purple bag of Doritos. You have to be eating a balanced diet. You will be getting enough protein in your diet. Now, I will say if you are a bodybuilder and you are trying to make those gains, you might need to do a little bit of plant protein and a shake in the morning if, if you're trying to reach a very high level of protein. Mm-hmm. But for the general population, that is completely unnecessary. Even if you're working out, like I work out on a regular basis mm-hmm. and I don't ever supplement my protein. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh,
1: it's really interesting, all of the actual, the vegan bodybuilders that are coming out now on social yep. media, and they look amazing, and they're, they're getting their protein and all their gains uh, through other sort, non-animal sources. So exactly. if that's something that you're into, I would encourage you to look up some vegan bodybuilders, and they're pretty amazing.
0: All right, so what about the low-fat Whole food plant based. Yeah. So so
1: if you want to look at the very very true definition of a whole food plant based diet, there's going to be a no oil component to right. that. So there's kind of this myth that some oils like olive oil are heart healthy things like that. Oil is a very processed food. Yes. So if you're eating a whole food diet, you would leave the oil out of your diet. One right. of the things that happens to you when you eat oil is that it can damage the endothelial lining of your arteries, which then can help can contribute to heart disease. So that is uh, some of the science behind why they, they leave out the oil. Uh, it can be very difficult to learn to cook without oil if you're used so to it. <laughs> yeah,
0: It is ingrained in my upbringing mm-hmm. to cook with olive oil. Yeah, it, it's, so it's a hard. very difficult
1: transition to make, and I've had a lot of trial and error with it. I do not specifically seek out foods that are low-oil, that I'm buying. I'm I'm trying to look for those whole foods, but if they have oil, that's not something I'm going to be super concerned about. But I have tried to reduce the amount of oil that I cook with. I haven't completely eliminated it.
0: So I, I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. So the no oil really is important for people that are trying to control a chronic disease. If you've had a heart attack or if you have type 2 diabetes and you're trying not to get back on your insulin, it is very important to to do the low fat component of this whole food plant-based diet just because we know that the the fat component is increasing your insulin resistance. It is increasing your arterial stiffness and increasing your likelihood of having another cardiovascular event. But for the general population, I don't think it's bad to be to use a little bit of oil or to be scared of having good healthy fats in your diet like those that are found in avocados, nuts and seeds. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay, so we have one last group to talk about, and that is the flexitarian group. And I think that might be where a lot of people these days kind of are landing. Um, and so that is kind of a fun term to describe someone who they understand the benefits of a plant-based diet or a vegan diet or, or reducing animal products in their daily consumption, but they're not you know, committed to one of these diets long-term. Um, and really, it's not a diet as much as a, as a lifestyle with, with the plant-based and, and vegan and things like that. Um, so these are people who might do a meatless Monday, where every Monday they make the conscious decision to not consume animal products and then the rest of the week they are, you know, kind of eating a, a standard diet or whatever they may have been eating before. But it is consciously making some of those smarter choices. And I think that's a good starting point. It's really hard to go from the standard American diet on Monday and then on Tuesday eat a fully plant based diet. In fact, right. I wouldn't recommend that for anybody. No. And, and that's not how I did it either. Um, I know I said that I did it for a month, but we really did a lot of research moving up to that first month where we started switching out the milk that we were drinking. And we started when we would go to restaurants, we were paying attention to what the options were if we didn't want to eat meat to see where could we go during that month to not eat meat. So I think doing a lot of research, figuring out what's going to work for you, and then understanding that if you're trying to do one of these diets... And you end up eating something that, you know, doesn't quite follow that
0: diet. It's not the end of the world. It'll be fine. I agree. And one other thing um, in talking about the transition is that um, a whole food plant-based diet is a very high fiber diet. So traditionally on the standard American diet, we are very fiber deficient, which is hugely detrimental to our health and to the health of our gut. Um, So we're supposed to be getting around 35 grams of fiber per day. So try to be conscious of your fiber tomorrow when you wake up in the morning. Count how many carbs or grams of fiber that you are consuming. And there's a good chance that you're not hitting your 35. So the average American is eating around 16 grams of fiber per day. But when you're switching over to a whole food plant-based diet, um, you're going to be vastly increasing the amount of fiber that you're eating because those whole grains and plants are filled with fiber, which is very, very good for your gut. But when you are introducing that in very quickly from a low-fiber diet, you you can experience some bloating um, and gas and uh, being uncomfortable in general just because your body isn't used to digesting those Those long stringy fibers. Um, So, if you, like Stephanie said, try to transition over more slowly and slowly increase your amount of fiber, that will really help you to tolerate that better. And just because you can't tolerate it now doesn't mean you won't be able to. Your body is adaptable, um, your gut is adaptable, and it will adapt to those new foods. um, So, you just have to give it some time to do so. Absolutely. All right, Stephanie, thank you so much for that discussion. I loved picking your brain and chatting with you about all things plant-based. And I hope everyone tunes back in next week for the rest of our discussion on plant-based nutrition. And if you have any questions for me or for Stephanie, please feel free to reach out to me at healthformation.podcast at gmail.com. And thank you again for tuning in, and I hope you have a happy and healthy day.